You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the star you are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, all you stars out there. You are my power partners, and we are so happy to have you here on Radio's Finest Program of Positive Book Talk, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I am always delighted to be the personal growth success coach here with you every week broadcasting live and bringing you authors and experts that I hope will enhance and fulfill your life because we are a show about following your dreams, doing what you love, filled with confidence and self-esteem. The show is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, where we work to empower women, family, and youth at risk through improved literacy and positive media like this radio show. Well, today we have another stellar, stellar program. It is the dawn of hope is our topic in the first segment as we discuss a new era and a new time with a new president. And in segment two, you're going to meet Frank Healy, who is an ordinary man with an extraordinary memory, who has written the book Living with a Phenomenal Memory. And in our last segment, we bring you retired physician John Hillman and his book, Jason and the Astronauts, where we're going to journey to the Amazon in search of lost tribes while dabbling in history, politics, and the mind. So as you can see, this is another first-class program right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea, and join our party. My purpose is to always help you be the writer, producer, and star of your own life. I want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to take a risk and be wild and wacky. And obviously, we want you to read some new books, probably books that you haven't heard of. I personally read three to four books every single week, and I know it sounds astounding, but I feel like my world has expanded so much by meeting these amazing authors and new writers that we present to you. As an author, I have four bestsellers, Chicken Soup for the Gardener Soul, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference, The Business of Show Business and Miracle Moments. The new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, is almost completed. We are just a couple of weeks away from sending it to the publisher. And just so you know, 100% of the proceeds will benefit the charity, Be the Star You Are, so that we hope that we can inspire young people to reach for their dreams. You can get more information, and you'll be able to purchase advanced autograph copies soon at bethestaryouare.org, where right now you can get any of the other books that I mentioned at star-style.com. My motto is to be a leader, you must be a reader. 
And the Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Speaking, where you're looking for an upbeat motivational speaker or lecturer for your next event, corporate meeting, or conference. Call 925-377-STAR or visit star style.com to find the perfect match for your meeting. The first miracle moment is by Martin Luther King Jr. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And that can be so appropriate, although that was written back in the 60s to today. Barack Obama has said, we've been warned against offering the people of this nation false hope, but in the unlikely story that is America, there has never been anything false about hope. And today is the dawn of hope. The inauguration of Barack Obama has ushered in a new chapter in the history of America. He becomes the first African-American man to be elected to the presidency at a moment of extreme crisis for our country. His inaugural address drew 37.8 million Americans. That is the most since my friend Ronald Reagan's inaugural. And he, he drew billions more around the globe. That savored the moment and the message of one man at this important turning point in American history. His address was more than just a ceremonial occasion of state. It represented the biggest challenge yet for a political leader whose eloquence has been essential in his unlikely rise to become the leader of the free world. President Obama is taking charge of a rocking ship of state in the midst of what we can call a perfect storm. We're really having a virtual depression. We have government corruption. We have scandals in corporations. And we are experiencing two wars. It is his job to demonstrate and deliver great confidence in his ability to command and lead us out of the depths of failure. His campaign was run on the premise of change, and now he is ready for a call to action. Now, the night before Martin Luther King was assassinated in 1968, he told audiences that we will get to the promised land. Forty-one years later, the 44th president of the United States, President Barack Obama, is picking up that mantle. And for so many Americans, this really is a time of hope and joy and great faith in our American democracy. His first days in office, he has quickly taken charge. He's been meeting with military brass, economic advisors, issuing executive orders. And despite a round of 10 inaugural balls, he was up at dawn calling the Middle East leaders, appearing at public events, and assuming the role of America's leader in a whirlwind of symbolism and duties. As he signed executive orders and memoranda focused on increasing openness and improving ethics in the executive branch, he commented that his aim is to establish firm rules of the road for his administration and all who serve in it. He wants to help restore faith in government, and he advises administration officials to never forget that here we are as public servants, and public service is a privilege. Now, um, Obama made it clear at his inaugural address that he wants to construct a new approach to governing 
that puts an end to worn out ideological battles. And if he succeeds, we really might have a new political coalition. Obama immediately is moving with determination and strategic focus that were really hallmarks of his campaign. And whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or part of any other party, whether you voted for him or not, you have to be impressed by his desire to cross all boundaries, to reach out, to be inclusive, and to really go for the change that America needs so much at this time. Now, it seems that he's having a honeymoon in the press, and it might be that that honeymoon will last longer than other presidents because people seem so excited about his freshness and his newness. And, again, his, his confidence and his desire to make this world a better place. He has instilled some confidence in America. Hopefully he'll instill a new hope for a better tomorrow. And the American people are counting on him. I think of it as the dawn of a bright new day, and I wish him, his cabinet, and all the officials there so much success. You go, Mr. President, and you make us um, the great American country that we have always been. Let's get over these hurdles and make this a better place. Bravo, President Obama, and thank you for sticking to the road. Now, I wanted to also talk to you a little bit about some resolutions. Winston Churchill said, it is a mistake to try to look too far ahead. The chain of destiny can only be grasped one link at a time. And every year about this time, eager people are making resolutions to lose weight, earn more money, sleep more hours, travel to distant lands, and spend more time with loved ones. But usually by some time in the spring, most of these great intentions have long been forgotten in the fast-paced existence that we call life. Now, although statistics indicate that it only takes 30 days to drop an old habit or to learn a new one, most of us just don't stick with our plans long enough to reap any benefits. So uh, since I'm a coach and I have people all the time coming to me asking for help in living their dreams and creating the lives they love, and, uh, they love, and this week has been especially busy. I suppose it always is at the, the time of a bright new year, and of course we're making this a positive, living, healthy new year. I seem to be bombarded with people that are knocking on my door saying, help, I need some focus. And although I don't have any magic bullets or a magic wand, I do want to offer a few tips to my listeners that could assist you in reaching for the stars and landing on them. It really is all about writing your goals and making them smart goals and making them doable. The first thing I'd like to share is to focus on the positives in your life instead of the negatives. I know that we're in tough times, economic times, challenging times, and everyone seems to be struggling. But, you know, we have a lot of good things going on, too. So make a list of everything big and small that you accomplished in the last 12 months. Forget about what you didn't do. Just let it go. Congratulate yourself on what you did achieve and celebrate. You're going to be astonished at how much that you accomplished, and you can acknowledge your strengths and pat yourself on the back. When we have small successes, we tend to do better. 
Eliminate excuses from your vocabulary. People always come to me and they say that, oh, you know, I really want to write a book or I was planning on auditioning for this movie, but, you know, I don't have time. I don't know how. I don't know if I have the skills. I don't have enough money to try it. I don't think I could do it. You know what? There's only one now. You just have to do it or you quit talking about it. There is no try. I love the guru Yoda. He said, do or do not. There is no try. So just do it. The third thing is to create a plan of action by breaking down your goals into small, realistic steps. For example, don't say, I'm going to lose 25 pounds this year. Instead, say, I'll be healthier this year with the goal of losing two pounds a month. And those two pounds a month are doable because 25 pounds sounds like a big stretch. So by the inch, it's a cinch. And then give yourself a timeline. I will weigh such and such by November of next year. That works. Decide how much time you can give to your dreams and stick to it. Again, start small. Allocate an hour a week or three hours a month or perhaps an uninterrupted weekend. Don't quit your day job. You still need some money coming in. And tackle each obstacle as it arises without letting a monster into your psyche. Make a list of everybody who can help you achieve your goals and share your ideas. Don't worry about people stealing things. It's especially important for achieving your dreams that you share. Ask friends, family, coworkers, and don't estimate the, underestimate the people that love you. Get organized. And I say this with a capital. Get organized. That means organize your workspace, your home life, your closets, your schedules. If you operate in clutter and chaos, it's going to be challenging to create anything new in your life. Be a list maker. Create a master to-do list and keep to it. Plan ahead. Interruptions and unexpected emergencies are going to arrive. Allow yourself the space and time you need. Be specific. Don't just say, I want more money, because what does that mean? Do you want $1 more, a penny more, or $1,000 more? If you want to create your dream, you have to be specific, so write it down. Make your goals measurable and with timelines. If you want five new clients by May that pay you a certain amount of money, be specific. Say the amount of money, the date that you want it. Don't get overwhelmed. Remember to pamp yourself. Step back and reevaluate your progress as you go along. And keep your eye on the prize. Bring to your senses how you're going to feel when you've reached your dream. And remember, it's a process. In order to make our dreams come true, you have to dream big in the first place. You're going to have doubts. You're going to have ups and downs because no one's 100% on track all the time. But by rewarding yourself for your successes and keeping your goals realistic, doable, accountable, and specific, you're going to find yourself creating the future you have always wanted. The time is now. The time is for you. And if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Reach for one small star at a time, and before long, you'll be playing in the galaxy. You are listening to Star Style. Be the star you are with me, your personal growth success coach, Cynthia Bryan. I want you to stay with us because when we return from break, we're going to help you achieve a goal because we're going to learn how to expand our memorization skills with author Frank Healy. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. This business of show business is all I want to be. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to listen and talk.
Hi, my name is Crystal Goodfellow, and I am a volunteer with Be The Star You Are charity. I'm here today to ask you to consider making a contribution to this worthwhile organization that encourages and empowers families and youth at risk by providing literacy and positive programming. Please visit the website at www.bethestarur.org or call the offices at 877-944-STAR. Since 1999, Be The Star You Are has served more than 20,000 individuals and families and donated more than $850,000 in resources to improve lives. Be The Star You Are needs your support. You can donate your vehicle, buy our signature books, or make a contribution online. Everything counts, especially you. www.bethestarur.org or 877-944-STAR. Thanks for helping the kids. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Listen. Listen. Are you ready? The world is talking. Are you ready? World Talk Radio. Studio A. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. I sure appreciate you staying with me, and you're going to be glad you did, because I have Frank Healy with me. When he was just five years old, he had to stay home from school because he was so sick. Bored by staying in bed, he started memorizing dates and days on a calendar, and then he went on to memorize weather patterns and the history of space flight. Today, he's a licensed counselor helping others develop superb memory skills. His book, Living with a Phenomenal Memory, is the topic for today. Welcome, Frank, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Frank, you've got to start by telling me about your childhood, because from what I read in your book, and the book is called Living with Phenomenal Memory, you had a normal childhood, you weren't autistic, yet you have a heightened ability to memorize anything. Describe what it was like to discover your gift when you were so young. Well, what happened that week when I was homesick from school was I had just been given a calendar by my uncle down the street. And here, and so I looked at each date and I would picture within the block what was on primetime TV that night and then sort of hummed the tune in my head so that 
by the end of the week, I had the entire year 1966 memorized. Then I started me- each day that went by after that. I'd, I'd make notations in my head throughout the day what date it was. So, yeah, Then when I was 14 years old, I wanted to be in a school talent show, so I just looked at a calendar, and the, by that time I had had eight years memorized already. And I just looked at the calendar and in one night memorized hundreds of years as far as what day of the week each date was and will be. Of course, I applied. It amazes me that you were able to do it because you said that dates repeat themselves every five, six, and 11 years. So, how was that? At about age 12, you were able to compare one day with another day. So you could remember from five years earlier what was going on and what had happened in those, because of the same combinations. Was, that, was it eerie? Was it fun? How, how did it work at home? Well, it was fun most of the time. I mean, by the time I was 12 or 13, these thinking patterns had become such a habit that it came very naturally. And one consequence of that is I've never been bored in my life. Because uh, I always have things to think about with so much memorized. Uh, and then, I've, of course, some of the chapters in the book, I uh, explain how I memorize my schoolwork by making same kind of pictorial and the sound associations with different things. So it's really, to have a good memory, what you really need is uh, to, get, to get back in touch with your imagination that you had as a child and be able to imagine different and make associations of things. Like you, could, uh, like you could look at me and pick some feature of mine and think of a hot dog, and then you'll remember my name's Frank. Or I'm thinking you could, you could meet you and think, Cynthia, well, I think of a symphony playing, and they're frying, so it's playing on a frying pan. So meanwhile, you're standing next to all that doing the commentary for the radio. And that helps you to memorize a person. I, I just love it. Now, one of the things you said in your book is that you have never entered contests for memory. And after reading your book, and the name of the book is Living with a Phenomenal Memory, How an, How an Ordinary Man Developed Amazing Memorization Skills, our author we're interviewing is Frank Healy, I thought to myself, why haven't you? You obviously have so much memorized, and it would be so easy for you. Was there a reason you decided not to enter any contests? Well, if I had the time, I would. Like I, I, know, I mean, I know a lot about entertainment and sports, but I could memorize even more of that very quickly and then be on a game show. I do remember in November of 99 when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire first came on TV, I called them at all hours and all times to try and get on, but the line was busy. So that's something I may do in the future. Get I was going to suggest it because, you know, I mean, now with the reality shows and so many game shows, this is what is happening, you know, in our society today. I mean, the, the actors' guilds are probably going to go on strike. They're looking for people, you know, that would be what we call give great show. I think you would just be a phenomenal person to be on one of these shows because of your memorization skills. That, and the, another thing that you said is that you cannot go into casinos. Have you ever used these skills in a casino or playing games? 
Well, a couple times before that newspaper article appeared four years ago, I did I did gamble in Atlantic City, New Jersey, because I live right near there, just a little bit, and uh, pretty much broke even. So that's something I've never tested either. Mostly I've used it to memorize schoolwork and to write the book to help others be able to memorize things, but... Yeah, I can see there's a lot more I could do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about some of these tips because this is the reason that you wrote the book is you want to help other people expand their memory. And, and as we know, we use so little of our brain. And how wonderful to never be bored a day in your life when you have so much, you know, that would be stored in this incredible computer called our mind. So, how does somebody start to really learn to memorize? Because when I was reading your book, Frank, I realized that I've always thought I have a pretty good memory. I remember things from, you know, from childhood and stories seems forever. But I don't really know how it is that I remember it. And the way you explain it is that you illustrate your stories. You illustrate what you want to memorize. Talk to us about that. Like a lot of times, I'll, I'll I'll imagine something that's just a little bit a little bit different enough so that it could so that it couldn't happen in real life to memorize something. Like I think the way like I've discovered like some people they'll just use rote rehearsal where they'll just say the things over and over again to memorize a list, and others try and use an imaginative technique. But I found the best way is to do both. Like you say the. Uh, like I, I gave a, I gave many examples of my schoolwork, such as uh, learning yeah, the state capitals, for example. Yes, like for for Nebraska, that ca- well, I got a United States puzzle when I was a child, and after I'd looked at it long enough to see what all the states looked like, plus I used plus I used some imagination, like I thought of Texas as a butterfly, and then I thought of you know, Maine as a dog's ears, and. So then I would look at how the shape looked and create a picture that has to do with their capital. For instance, Lincoln, Nebraska. I imagined Abraham Lincoln on Nebraska, and there's corn on it because Nebraska is known for their corn. So him walking through a cornfield. So I think Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, for, uh, for Nevada is Carson City. So I imagine since Nevada looks like a piece of pizza, I imagine Johnny Car- the late Johnny Carson wolfing down a pizza. I know, I, when I read that, I really laughed because I thought, I was wondering, was Johnny Carson from Nevada, or that was just a random thing that you thought, pizza, Johnny Carson, put it together? Yes, it was more like put it together. Now, it could also work if you knew where someone was from. Like if you thought of uh, a bomb in Illinois for Obama, strictly his name, you know that would uh, that, that he's, you'd know that he is from that he is from Illinois. So you can really do it either way. Now you also one of the things that you really uh, were entranced with. You memorized like so much about the space um, the space program and all the different Apollo missions. What was your secret for remembering who was in each Apollo mission and when it happened? Because I would think that with so many different ones, and they're you know, and they're walking on the moon, et cetera, you had to come up with different kinds of images for each person. Well, yes, I did come up with images like uh, 
Like for Alan Shepard, who was on Apollo 14, and one of the things he did when he was on the moon was shoot a golf ball with a piece of the lunar module. He'd smuggled the golf ball in in a suit. So I imagined a shepherd using, uh, using his cane to shoot a golf ball. And then there was, uh, for Apollo 11, Buzz Aldrin. I thought of a cauldron boiling, but it's sounding like a bee buzzing. And I just linked up all these different things. Like imagine the cauldron with uh, an arm flexing a muscle, but the person's leaning down, kneeling down, so kneel and then arm strong. And imagine them together. And that was the sea of tranquility. So I imagine they're on the moon, but there's a very peaceful-looking sea that they're walking around. What, what um, confuses me is, is the images that you, Frank, would conjure up, those would be different for somebody else. So when you're, you work as a, um, a, as a coach and professional counselor now helping people expand their memory, how would you say to somebody, let's design your own images? What's that first step? Well, the first thing I would do is teach them the, them the basics. And then I would give some of the examples what I would use, but I would emphasize the fact that, you know, you might have different images in your mind. Like, uh, you know, I would think of, you know, for, in- for instance, I would think of a, uh, you know, for Lincoln, Nebraska again, I imagine Lincoln walking through a cornfield, but someone else might imagine just him on top of the map walking across Nebraska or, so when you learn, when I teach the basics of making the associations, then I'll tell the I tell the person you're yeah, and you're free to use whatever images make sense to you because it'll work better that way for you. So it, do you help? Do you give people like a calendar and how you know like you did when you first started, where you remembered the television shows and what days they were on and 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 your list? I was reading them. I was going yes, oh gosh, I so remember. You know. <laughs> Disney and Bonanza and Flipper. I mean, they were like all the favorite, you know, the, the favorite movies. Do you ask them to recall things that are important to them, or, or is it pretty random? Well, that's one thing I might ask them. Uh, recall things that are important to you. And another way, like to teach them a date, I would, you know, I would, I would, a lot of times I will use an example of something that they might make an appointment about. And then, like, uh, say, see the dentist on January 26th. Well, I would imagine, uh, I would tell them with that celebrity birthday thing in the back, I would tell them, well, if you imagine the late Paul Newman, because that's his birthday, you know, drilling your teeth or cleaning them like he was your dentist, then then you'd remember that date. And I'd use a couple of numerical images to, to help them remember the time that their appointment is that date. Now, okay. so basically what it is is you're creating pictures and you're visualizing. Is, is that what you would say? So you would recite the information. Do you, do you encourage people to recite it over and over or just to, to conjure up these images and then go from there? Well, I would... Like, I would first encourage them to recite it, and then I'd teach them the images. And then step three would be, think of the images as you're reciting it. And this also works for remembering somebody's name. Uh, Like, if you, uh, 
Yeah, so, so you don't mispronounce their name. Like, uh, sort of imagine you, Cynthia Bryan, think of the symphony and frying. So somebody, uh, somebody doesn't come up to you and say, uh, hey, Cindy Fry. Right. You know, so and you know what I have to tell you, Frank? A lot of people call me symphony. Oh, okay. And I say, oh, I like that. I would like to be symphony. <laughs> so that's a very good one. You, you came up with the perfect one there. Oh, uh, yeah, so now probably even more people will. That's probably true. <laughs> now, you, one of the things you talked about in your book that we should do, and I, I heartily agree, is that we need to spend more time daydreaming and to think of pleasant events when we're having a stressful time because that will also help encourage your memory. Is that right? Now, all of a sudden, I can't, I can't hear you, Frank. Are you still there? Oops, I think we lost him. Uh, so, Ruben, can you try to give him a, a call back, and we'll get him back on the line, And because uh, we, we want to enjoy a little bit more tips for developing your own skills so what I'm going to just go ahead and say one of the first things that he talks about is to be mentally present when you are trying to learn this information. And whether you are in a class lecture or meeting someone for the first time or reading the paper, if you want to retain what you learn, you really have to get all of the distracting thoughts out of your head. So now, Ruben, let me know when Frank is back on the line here. So we might be having... Um, we might be having a storm somewhere. But we, he, he talks about that how he went to, uh, Frank went to a, an experiential retreat for a weekend, and then eight months later he went back and he took a longer course, and he was surprised at the number of the staff and volunteers who had remembered his name and a lot of information about him. And they seemed to have the same recollection of everyone that was there, so when he asked the staff members how they were able to have such great recollections, they said it was because they were focused and present and no other reason. Frank, are you back with us? Uh, yes, I'm back. Good, good. Well, I went ahead and continued talking about some of the tips for developing your own skills. So one of the things that you have, you've said in here is that a basic rule of developing good memory is to get rid of distractive thoughts and to truly pay attention. And I would think in today's fast-paced world and, and where we're texting and emailing and, and, you know, the phones are ringing and we have so much distraction, that might be the, wonder, the number one difficulty to expanding our memory. What do you think? Yes, well, I think that if you're, like if you're meeting someone and learning that, you know, if, you, if, you start, if your mind starts wandering or if the cell phone rings or something, uh, and just turn it off and don't judge yourself for being distracted. Just go right, right it, back to paying attention. And, you know, and a lot of times when, somebody, when people are meeting someone new, they're not, they're not really paying attention to what's being said. They're thinking, what am I going to say and what kind of an impression am I making? So then they lose information that they're being told. So the best way is to just relax and listen. 
and be present. I think that is such a huge tip from your book. Well, the book we're talking about is Living with a Phenomenal Memory, How an Ordinary Man Developed Amazing Memorization Skills. The author is Frank Healy, and his book is filled with exercises and tips and and funny adages and puzzles that can also help you. Frank, would you give out your website so people can go to your website and find out more information about this uh, memory skills and also order your book? Okay, well, my website is www.phenomenalmemory.com. Phenomenalmemory.com. The author is Frank Healy, H-E-A-L-Y, and you can get his book on the different online stores and in bookstores near you, but go to his website and find out how you can develop your memorization skills. Frank, thank you for writing the book, and thanks for sharing your Yes, I just love it that you know so much, and I'm going to look forward to seeing you on television because you'll win that million dollars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. When we come back, author John Hillman and his book, Jason and the Astronauts, will be here. We'll be right back. Stay with us. All I ever dreamed of, this business of show business is no stroll in the park. World Talk Radio, Studio A. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. You're listening to World Talk Radio. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, welcome back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are here together. I'm Cynthia 
Brian. The ads for Jason and the astronaut states conservative novel, blast liberal icon. Yet this first novel by John Heelman explores so much more than that. From meteorites and lost tribes of the Amazon to world history, politics, and the inside workings of the brain. Welcome, John, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. Uh, my name is Heilman, John Heilman. Okay, that's what I want to know. It's Heilman. Yes, Great. Yes. Thank you for correcting that. That's all right. So it's, when you were told in school that you really couldn't write, and then you became a, vis, a physician, and you were told that your gift was writing. Now, I don't know your medical skills, but, John, I can collaborate that you are indeed a brilliant wordsmith. You really are a wonderful writer. I, it was a pleasure reading how you described every Everything in your book, Jason and the Astronauts. Well, that's very nice of you. Uh, thank you. Yes, well, we all have humiliating episodes in college, you know. <laughs> so uh, uh, I took a, a course in humanities at a liberal arts college, and, and uh, the professor uh, liked some of the ideas, but he did ask where I learned to write. And uh, I had transferred into that school and missed uh, some of the uh, premier sort of writing tutorials. And it sort of stuck with me. And uh, so I discovered and had been told that I had a style that was sort of uh, a little different and uh, never took any creative writing. But, but anyway, I stuck with it, and, and so uh, thank you for your comments. I appreciate that. And I like well, I you know, you, you have such a – the book was really exciting because I expected it to be so much different than it was, and it really is like several books in one, totally different from what I expected. So let's start with your impetus to write this particular tome. What prompted you to combine so many variables into this very fast, paced page turner called Jason and the Astronauts because it is exploring so many different truths, as I, as I said in the intro, from history to adventures in the Amazon to the inner workings yeah. of the mind and child prodigies. I mean, it, it's really a phenomenal romp. Well, I wanted to make it somewhat like life. You know, life is filled with uh, thoughts and, and uh, action and drama and uh, I wanted, to, I wanted to cross a lot of subject matter. I, I just wanted to do that. I'm not a specialist in, in the sense that I just can hone in on one thing and get on a pedestal and just talk about one thing. <clears throat> I did want to write something new. I did want to have a unique plot. And as you say, the book is really at least two books woven together, maybe more than two, but I see it as two, and one with a fairly unique novel plot, which I don't think, I don't think it's formulaic. I don't think I've ever seen that plot uh, before. And it has to do with uh, two men who go into the rainforest to uh, try to do some research on something that happened there. <clears throat> and they each, uh, they're good friends from kindergarten days. They teach in the same college. And one is disciplined and the other one is less disciplined. <clears throat> and, well, the uh, other one is sort of a, a loose cannon with his whole Batmobile. And yeah. very fun, very well-developed characters. Thank you. And, and I... Uh, so anyway, they, they, they come back with a find, which is very mundane. It's a piece of rock. It's a meteorite that lands in the, the forest. But the thing that made it curious was that it was attended uh, with a radio signal, and the astronomer uh, was curious as to whether this might have been more than just a piece of rock because he's a big fan of Roswell, you know, the Roswell incident, even though he can't talk about it at college because you'll be uh, ostracized if you, if you do that sort of thing because uh, <clears throat> visits from alien beings is, is still fairly improbable. 
uh, from the point of view of the distances involved, etc. But he and his friend, his friend's a biologist, his biologist brings back a bat, and that goes into his bat collection. Well, they come back and they're changed, and I'll, I'll leave it to the readership to uh, see how that is. But they, uh, they actually run into a, an encounter there in the, in the forest with a tribe, and that encounter leads to certain personality changes that they, they each experience, and these changes unfold. Well, the second, second book is about the son of one of these, the son of the astronomer who's in 10th grade, and he is a whiz kid. He's a precocious prodigy. And in, in certain ways, you know, perhaps beyond the scope of reality and credibility, perhaps, I don't know. But he reads a lot, and he's, uh, he, he starts to become disturbed over some things that are happening in his school. He's sort of being led, and, and he, sort, he revolts, and he comes in contact with an old man who originates from Eastern Europe and who sees what is happening in this country. And uh, the boy sort of comes under the spell of this old geezer. His name is Cosmo. Cosmo. And uh, so he, he, he tends to challenge some of his teachers at school, not all of them, but some of them. And uh, he, uh, for instance, gets involved in the science fair, and he totally debunks or contributes to debunking the idea of global warming. And more and more people are now realizing that uh, Man-made global warming is on pretty shaky ground right now, uh, even though some of our political leaders seem to be committed to it. Uh, another thing that he, the boy, discovers is uh, that America is said to be, a, you know, an imperialistic, domineering type of country. And the boy actually looks at he looks at history, and I must say I did write this for high school kids to some extent because I do have a lot of history in here. You have an amazing, I'm going to jump in here just for a second, because yeah. the history, I, you must have done research for a great amount of time. It's fascinating, the, the history that you have recorded. I was a history major, so this was really interesting to me. But moreover than that, the fact that so often history is rewritten by the people who write it. And so I thought that your perception in here, in the way that Jason reveals history and learns from Cosmo and then does his own research, is very revealing and going to be very beneficial for teenagers. Well, I, you know, as I say, I, I'm not sure how much history, some of that, of course, is history that they're going to learn, kids are going to learn all through their academic lives. They're going to learn some of that in college and but this boy, uh, he does his own research. The, the point is that he is not content to just have things told him. He's going to go out and try to verify or, or refute, you know, some of the things that have been told him. Which to great, me is such a, a smart skeptic. thing because what you bring out in your book, and I know that you're not saying, and I'm not saying that every school is like this, but so often teachers just teach us rote memory or they just teach us their own agenda. And so Jason symbolizes to me someone who is an independent thinker and is not going to accept the status quo until he figures it out for himself, which is something that all of us need to do. Plus, he has an, an intense amount of empathy and compassion for other people. Yes, and, and you know, he's a skeptic, you know, and he, uh, he also believes in keeping the mind. Uh, I know you're interested in memory and the mind and whatnot, but he, uh, one of his best friends in school was got trouble with drugs, and Jason is a charitable fellow, and he tries to help his classmates, and he works toward helping this uh, classmate uh, with that problem. 
Well, and this is where I said it's like a third book because perhaps this comes from your physician training and your years, you know, as being a doctor, but there's just an incredible amount of information here on the effects of the brain and how the brain works, and you you do it in such a way that Jason is, you know, in therapy, and instead of really getting therapy, he's asking the therapist questions of how things work. Well, well, he wasn't afraid... See, he gets in trouble at school, so they want him to see a psychiatrist, you know, and so he was, he was up for that because he could learn about the mind and the brain. And uh, it, in, in going back to the first plot, uh, his, his father now is changing and his uncle Bruce is changing, and he's very curious about that. And uh, so he wants to learn all as much about neuroscience and neurotransmitters that he can. And uh, so that, that sort of weaves into that. And then the doctor clearly sees that the boy doesn't have a... You know, uh, he doesn't have uh, what the, the he doesn't have a problem. others He's were. just truly a prodigy. He, he's, yes, he is, and he doesn't have an attention <laughs> disorder. He, in fact, which happens he, to be like the the buzzword these days. Yeah. Don't you think, John, that everybody has ADD or ADHD or some kind of you know? Everybody wants to put children on drugs when they are different or right. expressing themselves. <laughs> and so, so the boy's mother is quite concerned. Is, is he being drawn away from his school, and is he falling under the influence of this very curious man who lives down the street, uh, who's the great uncle of his best friend, Artie? And they're, they're going to invite Cosmo to dinner, which the thing ends up on that. And, and uh, uh, it turns out that, you know, the, uh, the, well, things tend to resolve. And, and there's a lot of sub-themes in there that I like to think uh, resolve, uh, the whole story with Bruce and the woman that he meets and falls in love with. I, I hope you saw a love story in there. I saw the love story, and I really enjoyed it because I think that the women are strong. One of the things I admired that you did is that you put, uh, you, you put lasting relationships in there. Yeah. Nick and his wife Tara have a very good, very, uh, a very close relationship where she, when he's away, feels, you know, something is wrong, and I love that. And then when Bruce actually meets the right woman, he's ready to settle down. Right. And I thought that that was, um, that was a really a nice bonus in there to see people that actually love each other and care about each other enough to want to take it to the next level, which we don't see a lot of that anymore. We see a lot more destruction. Yeah, and uh, as I say, I wanted to make it about life. And uh, you can't have life, of course, without uh, male-female uh, relationship evolving. And I tried to make it, uh, it was pretty compact because I was covering a lot of territory. Well, you covered so much territory, and this is why I say to, to me it was like three books, three books in one. But I wanted to ask you, because your descriptions of the Amazon, I spent a month in the Amazon, and I spent months with some quote-unquote lost tribes and some, had some pretty harrying experiences. Oh. Did you actually travel there, or was yes. it something you researched? Because your, your descriptions of the area, of the animals, of the plants, of the poisonous species yeah. were just right on. Yeah. Well, I did go to Brazil, and uh, that was mm, about 20 years ago. And uh, I tried to keep a journal and take pictures and remember as much of that as I could. And, and at that time, I was, I was writing the, the first part. In my mind, I was writing the first part of this book, the first, the novel part. And it was later that I, I got into the politics. And, uh, but, yes, I, I went to Brazil, and I had a feeling for it, and I've read some about it since and tried to keep up a little bit. 
And uh, now, politics. That's the next part of the book. Because yes. you talk about, you know, the, the conservative, the liberals, and looking back towards Greece and Rome, you know, and some, giving us some ancient history. What would you want people to take away from what you have written and what you have researched, besides the fact of the global warming that you already uh, talked about? Well, well, as I say, another thing was the idea that America is an imperialistic country. I overstated some of my thoughts. I, America used to be and has done some imperialistic things. Things. But but today's America, we should be proud of our country. We, we've we've got a laudatory record, and I don't know how many how many schools teach the opposite to kids. But uh, I've heard people on the radio say that their kids come home and they they're not so sure they're so proud of their country. And uh, I, this boy sort of develops the notion that countries are a little bit like individuals, and they have life life they have lifespans. And uh, something done today, like like what was done by Russia in Georgia in the 21st century is different than if that had been done in the 1200s. In other words, uh, we should get better. Those kinds of actions, that was imperialism. And that should be repugnant to the international community. I think, for instance, I personally feel that we should have gone to Iraq. I think that was a wise maneuver. I think Bush will be remembered favorably for that. Yeah, and you actually write that in the book. You, uh, you have that statement in there that uh, when you're talking about history that it is your, it, well, you know, you're, you don't put it as your feeling, but at some, you feel that in time there's going to be a positive um, remember, uh, memory of President Bush. For right, I, I think it was a gamble, and he was highly criticized for it, but you remember the four reasons for, for going, uh, I think they were all met. I think there were weapons of mass destruction. You just read uh, Saddam's Secret uh, by General George Sada. He was there. He was one of uh, Saddam's officers. He saw the weapons being carted out in 18-wheelers and aircraft. Uh, the United Nations resolutions weren't being paid attention to. You had a dictator who was torturing and killing his people, and you had a dictator who was supporting terrorism. And there's evidence for all those things. Well, and you know, I think the bottom line is we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And what I'm excited for now with a new administration is that we, that America seems to have renewed confidence. And it doesn't matter to me what party, as long as we love our country and be patriotic and believe in our leadership. And I think this is part of what you bring out. Well, the name of the book is Jason and the Astronauts. It is a fascinating read. And John is such a great writer. Where should we send people, John? Well, uh, you can call this number. First of all, you can go to Amazon.com and order it off of Amazon.com. I think you can order it in most bookstores. I'm pretty sure you can order it in uh, Barnes and Noble. And, and you can get it online, I'm sure, too. You can get it online, right. Amazon.com. And so Jason and the astronauts, because you don't have a website, right? I don't have a website. You don't have I've a website. My son is a computer whiz, and I'll But let me give it. out this 800 number. Would that okay. be okay? Sure, give that out. Sure. The 800 number is 800 431 
1579. And of course, the book will be available at your favorite bookseller or at your online seller. But pick up a copy. There's so much in it. And although John says it's two books, I would say that it's three books in one. And uh, let's look forward to a follow-up, John. I want to hear more about the Amazon. Let's go back there. That was pretty interesting. Thank you so much for being a guest on Star Style. Be the star you are, Jason and the astronauts. We need more kids like Jason. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, John, for joining me. Until next week when we celebrate and bring you more authors and more interesting topics, go out into the world and make it a great day. For more information about Be the Star You Are, go to bethestaryouare.org. If you want to get in touch with me, CynthiaBryan.com. I'm always ready to help coach you to your success, 877-944-STAR. May you have peace with you today, and until next week, be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and I am signing off. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are.